Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Did you hear that, Mark? Now we should have just a bunch of Hawks players with the last name Menards. Because that way Trash Bandit can get get it right <laughs> welcome in welcome back steve rosenblum mark Rody with you chicago sports radio 670 the score we go to the guest hotline brought to you by al pomani nissan to bring on someone we visited with previously enjoy i enjoy his work he's written a wonderful book he had written a wonderful book called big hair plastic grass about baseball in the 70s it had the perfect quote from former Chicago White Sox star Oscar Gamble. We went to New York and talked about playing there. And some people, some people don't believe it, think like it is, it'd be like it is, but it do. And I just thought that's wonderful. And he's got another book coming out. It's called, it's with Ron Blumberg, the first DH in baseball history. It's called The Captain and Me on and off the field with Thurman Munson. It will be released via Triumph Books. Dan Epstein joins us. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. We're alive. We woke up alive today, me and Mark and everybody. So What's that's... up, Mark? How you doing, man? Good. So the DH is back in, back in the news again, and it's not universal, low these many years since 1973 when it first happened. In your book with Ron Blumberg, the first DH, do, he, do you guys talk about? It? Does he offer thoughts on on how crazy this is? Why baseball would would make this continue to make the two leagues different in such a fundamental way in this game? We don't really get into the, that aspect of it. We do talk a lot about his first game as a DH and just in general how the players just looked at it as like an experiment that probably wasn't going to last more than a season or two. It's just kind of like, like, and and he talks about how in his first, his first, uh, after his first at bat, he stayed on the field thinking he was, you know, just automatically moving towards first base. Like he was going to play there. Like he usually did. And, and uh, uh, the, the guy who was actually playing first base for the Yankees that day was like, no, man, you you got to go back to the bench and, uh, and, and figure out how you're going to occupy yourself for the next couple of innings. So, um, you know, and, and actually it's funny because when we originally got together to work on this project, it started out, he wanted to write a book about the DH and how it's, you know, how it's progressed. And I really felt that, like, his his friendship with Thurman Munson was a much more interesting, at least from my standpoint, uh, um, a thing to talk about and really dig into. But uh, but obviously, you know, people remember Ron because he was the first DH. So how has the the DH progressed? Was it always the the big guy who couldn't play defense that was the designated hitter? Well, I think that's that's kind of how it started out. I, there, and 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 I, you know, I, I've always had kind of mixed feelings at best about the, the institution. But one of the things I've always liked about it, or I liked about it, you know, as a, as a kid back in the '70s, was that you got guys like Orlando Cepeda, um, uh, who you know, who who were pretty much at the tail end of their careers. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't bend over to pick up a ground ball anymore, but they could still hit like crazy. So it really, you know, it, it extended, 
uh, a lot of players' careers uh, at least a couple of seasons. In some cases, you know, some guys made a career out of being being the DH. But it, it seems to me that um, in recent years, it's just sort of like extra guy in the lineup. That that it's you know for the most part, it's not uh, you know the the classic DH. Uh, doesn't in the in the sense that it started out doesn't exist so much. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but but uh, but it just seems like you know another slot to fill. We're talking with Dan Epstein. He's the author of the upcoming book, um, "The Captain and Me on and Off the Field" with Thurman Munson by Ron Blumberg, who was the original DH, and it comes out on a date very near and dear to the WB Club here on this radio show, four twenty. Uh, you can currently avail, uh, order it, pre-order it on Amazon. I want to go back to something you said because I don't remember that. Ron was saying that when the DH was proposed in 73 or the off-season before 73, the players didn't think it would last. It would be a one-season thing, and then they would go back to pitchers batting. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really, you know, I mean, there, there was a lot of, there's a lot of talk of experimentation in the game at that point. I mean, you've got to remember this was the time when Charlie Finley was kind of at his peak and was like throwing out, uh, you know, trying out gold, gold bases and orange baseballs and things like that. And, you know, there, there was, uh, and I think the players just kind of thought, well, this is another just gimmick to try to increase attendance uh, because, you know, in 72, the, the uh, American league's offense, Offensive numbers were pretty low, um, and they just thought like, well, we could, you know, maybe beef it up and bring more people to the ballpark by uh, uh, by, by getting an extra real hitter in the lineup. But yeah, they were not uh, they were not expecting that that fifty some years down the road, or, or, or you know, forty five years down the road, that that people would be still, uh, you know, that, that, that it would be a double league thing that it would be uh, an American League institution and not a National League one. Yeah, and I guess that when you hear something like that, I guess that should be a, a lesson to some of the crazy things that baseball did last year. And I say that sarcastically with putting a guy on second base to start extra innings, that everybody looked at that as sort of a novelty. That's not baseball kind of thing. And maybe 50 years from now, we're talking about that and having the same conversation about that, that the players thought that was crazy. <laughs> right, Exactly. Wow, what a what a thing! And the the idea that they've not the the fact that they haven't un, there's not a universal DH, and that's, and the fact that it was had to be popular last year. It was anybody with who watched liked watching baseball would have appreciated it. And it's not a universal DH now going into this season. They haven't decided. Is because of money, which goes back to the long-standing enmity that players have had for owners, and owners have been resentful that players have more power because they've got the strongest union. The players want it because it raises the average salary. The owners want it because it raises the the amount of off it improves the amount of offense. But the players want do not want to give up an extra round, more playoff games without getting a cut of the owner's playoff money, and the play owners aren't giving that up. So isn't this where we came in with Marvin Miller and the Players Association, that the game's progress is being hurt by fought over money and nobody's giving in and at the to the detriment of the game? Oh, absolutely. But, but of course, you go back to to um, you know the, the the strike in '72 and the the lockout in in '76 and you know the, the the difference there is that the um, the things that the players union was pushing for the changes in in contracts and and uh, you know uh, players you know how long they were tied to a team none of this was you know none of the changes on the field were at all tied to the changes off the field. You know, there, there wasn't this sort of thing where, you know, we'll give you universal DH if we get more playoff games. That, that kind of thing was not, you know, that there, there wasn't that kind of leverage going on in the 70s. And, and you know, and I really, you know, to, to see this, this 
being all tied together right now really disgusts me because, you know, there should be business and there should be on-field play, and we should try to keep these things as far apart as possible. But, of course, uh, you know, that's, that, that's a hard thing to do these days. Do you think that DH will be universal? I still think it will be at some point in time in both, I maybe it, even this year. I think it has to be. I, you know, again, I'm not a, the, the hugest fan of it, but I think since they've they've instituted season long interleague play, it's just absurd to to be. You know, I mean, what does it mean to be a National League team anymore if you're playing so many of your games against American League teams where you have to field the DH? It's, uh, you know, it, 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 let, let's, let's just, if we're, if we're doing this kind of interleague thing, let's just make everybody play with the DH. Our hey, guest man. is Dan, our guest is Dan Epstein. He, he is, uh, written a book, big hair, plastic grass about baseball in the seventies. Got a new book coming out about the first DH Ron Bloomberg. Um, my life with a captain on it, right on and off the field about Thurman Munson that comes out in April. But there's a story that may or may not be true that we go back to because a week a week ago there was Henry Aaron passed away and much noted about him. There were the stat the statistics that came out were just stunning. Take away all his home runs and he's still a three thousand hit club. And on and on and on to appreciate the consistency of the man and he was as much a hero uh, off the field as he was an all-time great on it. And then there's your story that I need, which may or may not be true, I understand, but it has to be told here about the time <laughs> Henry Aaron and the Jewish Elvis got together. Please share it with us, Dan. Well, this story was told me when I was working behind, told to me when I was working behind the counter at a record store in Chicago in the early 90s. And uh, basically, the guy who told me it was a regular customer, uh, I have no reason not to believe him, but this didn't happen to me, so I can't, can't say it's absolutely true. But he was invited uh, by a friend of his who was working with Neil Diamond at the time to uh, go uh, backstage and hang out before a Neil Diamond show at the Omni in Atlanta in 1989. And my friend, uh, his name was David, uh, met Neil, hit it off with him. Uh, Neil invited him to come to uh, dinner with him and the band and the crew. And they were in, David was really enjoying himself and just kind of, you know, digging, uh, digging the Neil scene. And then at one point, Neil turns to him and goes, David, how come there aren't more black people at my concerts? And David was taken a little aback because David was like a white Jewish dude from Georgia. And, you know, why, why would Neil even be asking him this? And, and Neil said to and, and he said to Neil, you know, I, I don't you know, don't don't take offense, Neil, but I don't think black people like your music that much. And uh, Neil didn't take offense, but he was like, well, well, why not? I'm a soul singer. So uh, flash forward to the actual show, and David has a sweet seat, like right in front of the stage uh, through his friend. And uh, he kind of, you know, gets to a seat, turns back to, you know, check out the rest of the arena and realizes that Hank Aaron and his wife are sitting exactly behind him. So, uh, you know, he, he David's a, a pretty garrulous person, but even he was just too intimidated by the presence of Hank Aaron to kind of uh, 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 strike up a conversation with him. But throughout the show, he kept kind of turning around, you know, uh, just to get a glimpse of what Hank was doing. And Hank was grooving. Hank was digging all the songs. Hank knew all the words, was singing along, you know, do, doing the whole uh you know, a forever in blue jeans, uh, clapping routine, whole deal. <laughs> so at the end of the show, David goes backstage to, to say goodbye to his friend and he runs into Neil in the, in the hallway back there. And Neil, Neil passes him and he yells after him. He's like, Hey, Neil, Hank Aaron was in the audience tonight. And Neil just stops in his tracks, punches the air with his fist and goes, yes. <laughs> there you go. He's a soul singer. The hammer loves him. Dan, thank you very much for your time. That that's great. Thank you very much for sharing it with us and and good luck on the latest project. Thanks guys. Always a pleasure. All right. See you. It's Dan Epstein, author of The Captain and Me on and Off the Field with Thurman Munson. It's uh you can order it 
pre-order it on Amazon. It'll be out on 420, like everything about this show. We have yeah. some news. We have some some and a some local baseball news. Do we not? Trash Panda? I was so into this interview, I did not catch up with that. Share Trash Panda with names you can pronounce. Okay. Yes, I can pronounce these names. So John Heyman just tweeted five minutes ago that Carlos Rodon is going back to the White Sox pending a physical. So there you go. Breaking news on the score is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Find out how far an extra mile really goes. Carlos Rodon is back there. Uh, I'm Steve well, Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, um, it was a good time to move on from Carlos Rodon. I don't like that move. Uh, not sure what the... If any organization knows him, it would be that one, right? Then, then whatever they're asking him to do is not certainly not in the top three. You're not, they're not asking him to lead the pitching staff. The problem is with his injury history and whether that slider, maybe they think they can teach him a new pitch. Maybe Ethan Katz has, is, is a, can talk him into something that Don Cooper couldn't or wouldn't or the way they looked at it differently. And maybe they can remake him as a pitcher to at least be healthy enough, shall we? Maybe that's part of it, but as your fourth and fifth slot and maybe he does contribute there. Is that a possibility, or am I just reaching? Well, I think you're reaching because even when he was healthy, he wasn't effective. So, I don't know. Is it a minor league deal? No, they haven't specified yet. All that Heyman said was that he's going back to the White Sox. And then we have another... Yeah, it just says pending physical. They've agreed to a deal. So, I'm guessing it's... A major league deal like i don't think he would come back if they offered him a minor league deal that's my my right. assumption well yeah i, I guess I, I shouldn't make a big deal because they're not going to put him in a position of consequence I mean, yeah he's not i mean going to be one of your top three starters he's not going to be put in high leverage like he was last year yeah if he's, um so you know whatever if he's back as like a fifth starter or a guy that they want to try out of the pen like that's fine i'm fine with that like I don't. I guess. Obviously, I don't want him coming into the highest leverage spot in the entire season like he did out of the pen last year. Yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah. maybe not that. <laughs> maybe not, not that. that. Right. All yeah, right. and like supposedly at that point he's healthy, so that's what scares me. But anyway. Okay. Well, there, there's your White Sox news. We talked about the Cubs. Um, well, let's talk about whatever Mark heard this week. I think it's time. We'll take a break and we come back. What Mark heard, and we have no idea where that will go, but it will no doubt. Maybe we could. Maybe what Mark heard is is Adam Strzinski trying to correctly. <laughs> it's actually Strzinski. Strzinski. <laughs> I'm not, I, I want to get. This, I want the. I want to get the correct pronunciation of Les's mispronunciation of your name. It's Straczynski. 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 <laughs> All right. Straczynski. That's why we yep. call you Trash Panda, because we can't mess that up. Anyways, we'll do that with what Mark heard after this break. Thank you for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in, welcome back. Didn't we have a what more curd open? All right, so I was just explaining this to Grody. I have to update it because it still says sound out of Hallis Hall, but since we're doing sound on the score now, I need to get it updated. Oh, that's okay. It, it's all right if it sucks. So you can be wrong. Well, it's a damn good open, in my opinion. I just need it, I, I need it to be updated. Okay. All I think right, we should so also keep the music playing underneath the segment, too. Just something I was that's just That's good. Thinking. Sort of like, like a, during a, old time, a porn movie. Sure. Yeah. 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 Get that. Get that music. Get that music playing. And by the way, going back to what is to Trash Panda, Adam Straczynski, mispronouncing Hawks names. An eight one five texter said, "You're still getting the names wrong. Correcting yourselves." <laughs> and I'm assuming that was Trash Panda responding, "I don't care." Is that correct, Trash Panda? <laughs> yes, it was me. <laughs> okay. And I don't there know that we, we were getting them wrong, correcting, were we? I'm curious as to what name we were. I, I'm i not sure. I didn't say any of the names on purpose because I didn't want to mess them up again. I don't, I don't right, so I actually took that. that. I took that as a shot at Steve and I, actually. So I don't know what name we were mispronouncing at that point. Well, that's okay. What, I like the response. Whatevs. What All right, Mark. Mark, okay. what did you hear this week in our, our award-winning segment that all right, my open. man. Here we go. So earlier this week, I was filling in on the afternoon show on the Danny Parkin show, and I was with Spiegel one day, and it was cool. We got to have on uh, Boog Jambi, the new TV play-by-play man for the Cubs, and this was right after the news of nobody going into the Baseball Hall of Fame came out, Kurt Schilling coming the closest, and of course... Every year at about this time, it's just rage about the system of the way guys are put into or not put into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I thought that uh, John had one of the, the better rants of all time when it comes to this stuff. So let's listen to Boog. Okay. Wow, you're going to make me be this guy. Um, so when you were getting great joy out of the conversation – it wasn't any less stupid than it is right now. <laughs> you just weren't as smart. We're way smarter about this. Like, stop and think about the fact that Ted Williams didn't get in unanimously. And think about the way they manipulated voting and people would do that. He's not a first ballot guy. It's just dumb. Look, it's a museum. It's not the league. There's two different things going on there. But the idea that Mike, look, I love Mariano Rivera. Amazing. The idea that he was the first unanimous is absurd. Mm-hmm. Like that Greg Maddox didn't get in unanimously. Mike, Sch- who didn't vote for Mike Schmidt? Like the people that didn't vote for Mike Schmidt, like fired, like take your vote away. 
this is the way it's always been. So it's always been really, really dumb. And so, and then why is there a limit of 10? I mean, like, so we're actually going to make guys some years not vote for Pedro Martinez because I know he's going to get in and I have 10 other guys that I, like, that's dumb. Yes. And then, and then we get, so I can't get down with litigating the morality of all the other things when to start with somebody didn't vote for Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like, beat it. Right. No, so like, I, I, how, how big a deal is this place, really? So, look, I said this one a million times. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds is the best hitter I've ever seen in my life. If Barry Bonds knocked on my door right now and handed me a notarized sheet of paper that said I took steroids, and then you asked me again, I am not changing my answer. He's the best hitter I've ever seen. It's my opinion. I'm not Mm -hmm. condoning cheating. It's just that's what I think. And Clemens is one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. As far as shilling, what gets complicated with shilling is, you know, they're doing the whole character clause, but his case is at least more borderline than Bonds Clemens as players. Those guys as players, very clearly, here come the cops. Um, Those guys as players are layups. Now, in my opinion, Schilling should be in in terms of performance, but it's closer than it would be for. So, again, gas bag me, long-winded, yeah, where we started. It's always been dumb. Uh It's stupid. I can't like so that if if we're doing if we're involved in a process where some people are deciding they're not voting for Greg Maddox or I mean name Tom Seaver, Roberto Clemente, then what? Why are we getting so like this has been happening forever? What? I mean, so what are we doing? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> ah, see, there it That's is. That's where I am. I understand. First don't of care. all, it, it, it's care. not just I gas bags. I just can't. Steve, what say you? It's always been dumb. It's always been stupid. And I'm sorry that I, I made that so long, but I just thought it was one of the better rants I've heard, especially from a play-by-play guy who covers a lot of baseball. What do you think about what Boog Chambi just said to Spiegel and me on the score? It's always been a conflict of interest, and newspapers were the loudest at saying that even perceived conflicts of interest are actual conflicts of interest. The fact that newspapers let their guys vote is a joke. The fact that writers want to vote on somebody they report on, it's a joke. The fact that writers Mm -hmm. vote on players they may not have seen, not watched regularly, it's a joke. Writers should have nothing to do with it. And I'm speaking as a former writer who tried voting. I voted one year for league awards and immediately gave it up because it was clearly a conflict of interest. I shouldn't have anything to do with it. And also, teams are stupid about it. I didn't vote for Mario Lemieux the year he got 199 points because the Penguins didn't make the playoffs. How valuable could he have been? They would have missed the playoffs without him. They missed him with him coming close to Gretzky's 200 points. And the crap that came, and I just said, look, he's not valuable. You make the playoffs, then you're valuable. And I said, this is stupid. I never want to ballot again. I think it's always been a problem, and baseball has been sanctimonious. There have been sanctimonious frauds about it. It's always been a conflict of interest. Hey, guys. Two things. He's right about, wait, I just want to finish. He's exactly right about the lack of unanimity and guys sending in blank ballots just to send in blank ballots. What an embarrassment for the BBWAA. What? Sorry. I didn't mean it. I thought you were done, but you weren't. That's my bad. No, Straczynski. <laughs> so what? So I wanted to update on the Carlos Rodon signing. It looks like $3 million for the White Sox to sign okay. back Carlos Rodon. Yeah, yeah whatever. Also, right. I wanted to add on the real quick on the Baseball Hall of Fame thing. I mentioned this to Grody while, they, while the soundbite was playing. 
and it was briefly mentioned during the bite too. I mean, look, if you didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr., who was it? Like one guy didn't vote for Griffey, one of the most likable and best players in the last 40 years, one of the greats, like an undoubtable, undoubted all-time great player at everything to do with the game. And someone didn't vote for that guy. Like, that's absurd. Yep. How is he not a unanimous Hall of Famer? It doesn't make any take sense. The, take the votes away from the whole group. And the whole group should want the vote taken away from them. They'll all say they put in time and whatever, but it's but clearly it's a it it, it you're it's a conflict of interest in perception, if not in actual in in, in existence. It's just it's yeah, by bad, the way, as, as much thing. as I like Boots take I, I Steve, I don't think I'd ever heard you say take it away from the writers. Good for you. That's refreshing. I have to hear I said a that. writer. I just said it. I, not... I'm sure you have. No, I'm sure you have. I don't remember yeah. you saying that, but that's that's refreshing. As and again, Steve, you've written in just about every way, shape, or form, right? You've been on beats, you've written columns, so you've been a a writer, and you're saying take it away from the writers. It's I, I do, so, and I and look, I I know writers in in this town, writers in other areas take it seriously. They do their best, and they they look at it. But I think that that if you're working for a group of an employer, and all news all newspapers are like this, that they're worried about perception of conflict of interest. I mean, as a newspaper guy, I'm not when I was. Employed by the Tribune, I was not allowed to do certain commercials or read certain spots on the score. And in a previous life, I wasn't allowed to be the voice of, to voice some spots, the way you hear on-air personalities at the score, um, whether it's Danny Parkins talking about Blue Chew or whatever, whatever car dealership there is. And I was not allowed to do that because the, the, Chicago, the former Chicago Tribune, all high and mighty, and, and we're worried about conflicts and all that. And you asked David Haw about reading com- commercials on the air and his being forced to choose which medium he was going to be in and what, what the Tribune's stance on that was. And the, the, the fact that newspapers let their writers vote on people they may or may not interview, but may interview, it creates a conflict of interest, and I think it's wrong, and I have. So, All right, on with the show here. What Mark Heard continues with my guy, Dave Wanstead, but he said something somewhat disturbing. Dave Wanstead was on with Parkins and me earlier this week, indicating that Lovey Smith, who is now... The defensive coordinator with the Houston Texans, meaning he could be in the ear of Deshaun Watson, but it might not be good for the Bears. Here's Wani. What do you think Lovey's telling that kid? What, what do you think Lovey's telling that kid? I don't know, but he won't be at the Bears. I mean, I hope he does. Let me say that. I hope he does, but I do not see it happening. Steve, if Lovey Smith... <laughs> ruins the Bears' chances for getting Deshaun Watson as Wani is indicating that he's not going to get a good reference from from Lovey Smith. I'm going to be angry. Uh, I, I don't really think it takes Lovey Smith giving a reference or recommendation, or good or bad, a, a Yelp review on the Bears. I think Deshaun Watson already knows this is the team that passed on him in the draft and wouldn't even interview him. What does he need Lovey Smith to tell him? What did, Really? Deshaun Watson was the guy, was the example of Ryan Pace's ineptitude, of the Bears organization's failure. Deshaun Watson is that guy. The guy they didn't want to court, romance, investigate. They did not want to be in his presence as much as they did other players. Do you really think Lovey Smith is going to tell him something that would sway his opinion one way or another? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, it 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 was pretty clear that his direction is, well, not Houston and probably not the Bears either at this point. And... Man, 
that that story doesn't work out for the Bears either way because they're going to have to give up half their team and their draft for the next ten years to get a guy that they could have had, right? But you know what? I want to bring that. I want to see if you think my analogy is right because you're you're exactly right. They would have to give up. Okay, you're only allowed to trade draft first round picks three years out. So remarkably, Ryan Pace still has all his draft pick, his first round draft picks. So he would lose his next three, and then untold other parts of the roster and then you'd have you bring in a guy who basically would be quarterbacking the Texans in Chicago based on what you saw of the Texans this year if the Bears beat him you know how much the Texans suck right but if you have that guy was the argument you just mounted or the discussion point you just mounted similar to the Bulls going after Kobe Bryant, and while they'd want everybody around him that Kobe could help make better, like Luol Deng or whoever it was, do you remember that that discussion? Sure. Okay. Yeah. But you would still would have had Kobe Bryant, and everything. All yeah. things are possible when you have Kobe Bryant. So I don't care. I would not care what it costs for Deshaun Watson, because that's the one thing that the Bears would have gotten right is getting the guy that Ryan Pace had no interest in. And and you wait for somebody else to show you what a guy can do when you're Ryan Pace and you're just a, a quarterback idiot. So you would have the quarterback, the one thing they've never had right. Just like if you go back in time, the Bulls would have had Kobe Bryant. Everything would have been better. All things would have been possible. Don't you yeah. think health, oh, as yeah. long as Deshaun Watson stays healthy, all things are possible. Yeah, because like a star quarterback, like a star basketball player, cleans up a lot of other ineptitude and, and other areas mm-hmm. that are problematic. Like, you know, even defense. Like, think about great quarter, like Aaron Rodgers through the years. They, you know, they had a good defense this year, the Packers did. But in so many other years in which the Packers were great and Aaron Rodgers was great, they didn't. I mean, a lot of these teams are like that. I mean, New England started to figure it out under Tom Brady. You probably need to compliment Brady a little bit with the defense, but it's amazing what a star quarterback cleans up. Even even turning receiver, they may even be able to live without Allen Robinson if they had Deshaun Watson. You know what I mean? Like they they take star quarterbacks take receivers that you didn't know much about and turning them into 700 to 1,000 yard receivers. So absolutely, great, I agree great with that. Well, Deshaun Watson had that year when DeAndre Hopkins, when, when Hopkins was traded. He yeah. lost his Allen Robinson and look what he did. Uh-huh. So you're yeah. right. Makes your point. Yeah. And and uh, Trash Pandas just said Greg Jennings. I mean, there's yeah. been a, a bunch of Packers receivers he, through he, the years. Greg Jennings left Green Bay and immediately showed just how average of an NFL receiver he was. But with Aaron Rodgers, he was like Pro Bowl level, had Pro Bowl level numbers. Uh huh. He made money elsewhere because of that. Exactly. Um, so when I when I hear what it's going to cost the Bears, um, I don't. Because I'll tell you what, collaboration or no, Ryan Pace is still going to have the last call. He'll never get it right. He's failed. He's got a hat trick of failure. Free agency, the draft, and a trade. And he doesn't know what a quarterback looks like. To, he, do, he cannot, he, he must be constitutionally prevented somehow from being having any say in the next quarterback unless you're able to trade for Deshaun Watson. And at least you would get that right. And again, I, I believe all things are possible. We already know what happens. Nothing's possible when you have Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. You That's can't true. beat good teams. You well, can't, right. you can't so, stand in the pocket and throw, except interceptions in, in the end zone. The last two games of the season for the Bears showed that, including the playoff yeah. game. So, yeah. you know, as much as we were all excited about the return of Mitch and when they were 3-0 and against bad teams and I was on that bandwagon, you're right. They became 0-2 at the end. All right, two more cuts here, man. Um, so hey, Sam Ocho. Let's break and come back. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. yeah. Yes, we could. Whatever whatever you want. Bears. Yeah. Straczynski. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we can break and come back with what Mark heard and what we all heard, I guess. One of the cuts, by the way, is about Steve Rosenblum, just as a little tease. Wow, talk about suckage 
All right. Uh-huh. That's, I'm, I am the aforementioned Steve Rosenblum. He is the the ever the ever friendly, the huggable Mark Grody. Chicago Please. Sports Radio 670, the score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody with you. We are in the midst of a spectacular version of what Mark heard. And we're on to the next part of what Mark heard. And it is this, Mark Grody. What, Mark Grody? What did Mark heard? As we know, Steve Rosenblum, 2018, the Bears defense was elite. In 2019, it was good. In 2020, I thought it, it dropped off considerably and, you know, still statistically uh-huh. and rankings-wise wasn't awful or anything like that. But, you know, since Vic Fangio left, the Bears defense has not been as good, not as not as big of a part of why the Bears would win games. So... Sam Macho, who played under Vic Fangio, was on the score with Molly and Haw, and he said something really interesting, because obviously Chuck Pagano was the D.C. the last couple of years, and he retired, but he was talking, I think the question was, you know, what what is what was it about Vic Fangio that these guys were good under him, and it wasn't the same under Chuck Pagano? So here's Acho. I had tips. I knew what teams were going to run before they ran it. Number one. And number two, oh, by the way, the time in that defense, I spent four years in that defense. A lot of us did. A lot of us were drafted or signed as free agents to play in that defense. So we understand, understood the levels of that defense, right? Just like anything you learn, there's different levels. When you first start, you, you'll be okay, then you'll get better, and you'll, you'll unveil the different levels and the different intricacies of the defense. And so we could talk about that side as well, but the most simplest, the easiest way to say is the tip sheet. The tip sheet that the tip they sheet. knew that oh is like, right? It's simple, plain and simple, right? Like they, in other words, and it's a fairly simple concept, Steve, the players had a good idea of what the offense was going to do. And, and the <laughs> tip is sheet. That, is that not a common thing? Is, is Vic Fangio rare in doing that? We did that in high school. Tip sheet? Yes. We had we we had broken down like our coach would go through the film with the other team and break down they ran this play this many times out of this formation and so there would be sometimes we said hey they only run one play out of this formation so we see this formation we know exactly what's coming like do pro teams not do that? Uh, I don't know exactly what he's talking about. There there could be not just the idea of a tip sheet, but the way it's presented. Who knows? Maybe everybody's wearing that on their wrist or somewhere on their person during a game or it's on the sidelines. Maybe it's used, presented in different ways and taught differently. But every team, look, every team is certainly sharing tendencies with its players. Yeah, sure. I just think that that Vic Fangio is way better at it than most defensive coordinators, including Chuck Pagano. And that was just a sign of it, like as in, you know, the indication from Acho, and maybe just transparent, maybe not just indication, was that the things that Vic Fangio said would happen led directly to Bears interceptions and sometimes pick sixes and just playing good defense. Player, players being put in the right position to make plays, that didn't happen as much, especially this past year for the Bears under Chuck Pagano and the defensive assistants that were there with the Bears, that they were not in position to succeed, whereas with Vic Fangio, they were. And that and I, I wanted this cut to be played because I can't figure out what it was, Steve. Like, uh, like everybody's grasping at straws as to what, why the Bears' defense has gone. Like, did they have they started to get old? Is it the injuries to Khalil Mack? What is it? You're like, and and none of it, none of it really has made sense to me, right? Because they're not that old. The injuries have have occurred, yes, but the players have still played. Eddie Jackson, like, where's he been the last couple of years? And I haven't gotten a good answer for it. And that's as close as I can come so far. And now Eddie Jackson's coach is the defensive coordinator. Eddie Jackson's that's, that's position right. coach. Yeah, I don't I, – I, look, everything starts with a pass rush. In 2018, everything started with a pass rush. And if you can – if you had you, – first of all, Eddie Goldman was missing this year. That made him a lot worse. Even though, you saw, improve, even though you saw improvement in, in the middle of the line, um, Akeem Hicks uh, 
was Akeem Hicks and, and Khalil Mack, terror, absolute terrors. Eddie Goldman was was outstanding and far underrated for what he did in helping the rest of his, essentially Khalil Mack's a defensive lineman. So everything started there, and that made everybody behind them better, specifically Eddie Jackson. And and he was allowed to ball hawk. And that was the biggest that was the biggest difference. Without a pass rush, without a threat, without making guys throw early, then you weren't gonna get a lot of the mistakes that that Eddie Jackson was able to seize upon, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're right, but last year the excuse was all oh, Keem Hicks got injured in the, the what fourth game of the season in jolly old London, so everybody's like, okay, well, that makes sense. So you get Akeem Hicks back this year, and now it's Eddie Goldman. Now, now, well, they don't have Eddie Goldman, so there's no way the Bears' defense can yeah. succeed. So I don't know what the excuse will be. Hopefully there won't be an excuse next year. Well, next year it'll be because they are getting old. But at this point, I yeah, I just that was the closest I've come to, to hearing anything succinct about what the Bears' defense was and maybe what it is now. But any hoodles, um we move on to our final cut of the What Mark, what Heard. Mark Heard segment. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, do you remember a guy by the name of Sean Salisbury, Steve Rosenblum? Yes, I do. So Steve Rosenblum and Sean Salisbury used to do a sports talk radio show together at another radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a show, I think it was, what, 9 to noon? Was it a midday show, 10 to 2? Yes, it was. was. It the... was 9 okay. to noon. Nine to noon, and Sean Salisbury has since departed Chicago. He now works at a sports talk radio station in Houston. So Houston is a hot place to hear from people because of what's going on with Deshaun Watson and maybe connecting dots to the Chicago Bears. But Salisbury was on with Parkins and me this week, and towards the end, I mentioned to him (laughs) that— Danny was a former intern— that's right. For, for Sean. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it just, he was. It just struck me that Danny was a former intern of ours, which meant he was a former intern of Sean's. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. So, anyway, at, towards the end of the interview, uh, I did mention to him that you and I work together, and here's how it sounded. Hey, Sean, last thing, uh, and just like on a personal level, I – I got introduced to professional radio on the old Salisbury and Rosenblum show, and I know a thousand things have changed back in the day uh, from to, from then to now. But like when you look back on that time with like perspective, age, wisdom, whatever, like what do you think? Like what, what, when I say the Salisbury and Rosenblum show, what, where do you where does your mind go? I thought Rosie was awesome. I think the people in that building that I was with treated me like gold. I was in the middle of my father dying, and they deserved better from me. I was going through a really difficult time in my life. Well, you're always well, a good coincidentally, dude. Co- coincidentally, Sean, I now do a Saturday show with with Steve Rosenblum. That's true. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so we, we, you and I, you and I should talk at some point in time and just, you know, go through notes and connect dots and board planes and do things <laughs> that Steve Rosenblum does. R- um, R- Rosie's a cl- one of the all-time classics. So yeah, I loved it. But I, I, like I said, I could have I could have thrown more touchdown passes than interceptions. But I have nothing but fond memories of the way I was treated, the great city. That's the time of my life. Can you handle all that praise, Steve? No, I can't. It's all a lie. It's just the usual radio <laughs> claptrap. You know, sure. one of the things ab- about that, I don't think we did particularly great radio. Um, I thought we had a lot of a lot of trouble our our interns were probably better doing what they did than we were at on the air our interns were danny parkins and sahadav sharma among others and one of the things that i thought we did do well sean was never almost never in the building right we were do, what you and i do now the 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 separated show we did for a year because he was either in houston or he was mostly in Bristol, wherever, if they had him traveling, he was almost never in there. So we were doing this 15 years ago. And the one thing, being able to do that, as you know, when you can't see a radio partner after getting so used to it, that, that I thought we sort of pulled that off well of all the, of all the things we did. And I did a lousy job of bringing, making him talk football, making him talk X's and O's. I just did a lousy job of that. Because he was all kinds of, 
he was all kinds of information as far as that was concerned. Anyway, well, it's, it's also hard when you nice. don't live like like it's one thing like you and I are doing this. We don't see each other and we're remote at this moment, but we both live in Chicago or right. in the area, so we feel everything that's going on. You have to feel it to do local radio, and when he wasn't feeling, he could read and watch, but. It's different. You have to live in the city, and you got to walk. This, you got to speak the language, and he wasn't speaking the language. That that's what I thought was the problem. That and it was. It's really hard to accept that. And and certain guys that who are a a sport specific guy are people have trouble accepting their opinions on something else. Whatever Sean knew about baseball, nobody took as seriously uh, as what he knew about football. And yeah. that's a that's not just to him. It's other. We've had other athletes on the air who are sports specific. We had the bull and the bear, and and anytime they color, they they ventured outside their lane, they drove outside their line. Then that that was an issue. And it, right. and again, if you go back and ask Danny, and I think he was right. Danny was in charge of waking Sean up, and telling him what happened in Chicago the night before the stuff that we were going to cover on the show, and Sean and Danny at one time said. He uttered the truth of a lot of what Sean said on the air were Danny's thoughts on Chicago sports. And that's that's what happened. That's what happens when you live in another city and yeah. you're just not not as facile at it. You're otherwise you're otherwise occupied. It's a big right, blind, it's a big a blind spot. Big blind spot is what yeah, it is. is. Yep. It's it's a hard thing. It's, it's a very tough needle to thread. Um and the all right, so we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will talk. The Cubs signed a uh, Peterson, the platoon player, and the Cardinals look like they're getting Arenado, the All-Star. Who do you think? Who wore it best, as they say in E, and E on E Channel? We'll talk to Evan Altman, Cubs insider, about that and what happens in the division, what this does to the Cubs, what this does to the Cardinals. Next, on Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.